Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. A new book tells the very personal story of a political prisoner's experience in a Chinese forced labor camp. It's called Made in China, A Prisoner, an SOS Letter, and the Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods. On the line with me is its author, journalist Amelia Pang. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Vicki. Amelia, give us an overview of these forced labor camps. Yes. First, I want to really start by reminding readers that we are the ones who are buying these goods. In 2012, my book opens with an American woman named Julie Keith, a suburban mom who opens up this brand new package of Halloween decorations from Kmart. And out falls an SOS letter written by the political prisoner who had made and packaged this very product. And so the book tells his story, how he ended up in a camp, what happened to him in the end. And it also steps back to examine the deep flaws in our supply chain and the really problematic ways that a lot of our corporations are auditing Chinese suppliers. Tell us a bit about Sun Yi's story. Yes, um, he was a follower of Falun Gong, which is a group in China. It's a religious group. They have been very active in political dissent right before the ban and and since the ban in in the 90s. And a lot of them have ended up in labor camps, unfortunately. All dissidents end up in labor camps at, at one point. There's many different kinds of groups in these detention centers. There's underground Christians, there's Muslims, there's civil rights lawyers, there's labor activists and feminists. You know, it's really a very wide uh, number of demographics. What's going on today with forced labor in China? The situation is only getting worse, uh, as we see, with the rise of the Uyghur uh, labor camps. Uh, The Uyghurs are a Turkic minority group uh, that are primarily in Xinjiang, and they are forced to make all kinds of products for consumers around the world, including PPE equipment, human hair extensions, and even raw materials for solar panels. And how does forced labor impact U.S.-China relations? Historically, we've known about this problem for a very long time. In the early 90s, Bush actually attempted to sign a memorandum of understanding with China to not have forced labor products and sold to our, our stores. Unfortunately, that was a willfully weak agreement. You know, it doesn't really allow the U.S. to hold China accountable. Uh, We're not really allowed to go to China independently to investigate these labor camps. I mean, legally, on paper, we're supposed to be able to do that, but China rarely actually lets American investigators in. So up until recent years, that hasn't really been a point of contention between U.S. and China relations. 
I mean, China was still able to join the World Trade Organization in 2001. They received great trade benefits uh, from the U.S. and around the world. And we saw a lot of that change with the Trump administration, but I would argue they didn't go nearly far enough. One critical legislation that if, that if that's passed could make a major impact is the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. And what that would do would, would be to ban all products from Xinjiang um, from being sold in the U.S. And that's really a terrific step to, to reduce forced labor because the, the, the rate of forced labor in Xinjiang is so high. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know. Like, despite uh, the trade war and everything, I, I, I'm not confident that this legislation would get passed because uh, right now you have corporations like Apple and Nike lobbying legislators to heavily revise or not pass this act. So in some sense, there, there's been more policy changes to address the forced labor issue, but in some sense, not much has changed. One of the things the book comes back to often is the idea of audits. But why does auditing manufacturers and suppliers not always work? Oh, there's so many problems. One Chinese auditor actually <laughs> said to me, you know, the issue is that everybody's talking about auditing the Chinese suppliers, but nobody is auditing the sourcing practices and business practices of the corporations. So, yeah, the audits were really designed to help the corporation to mitigate PR damage if a labor issue got publicized. It's not really designed to actually reduce forced labor or help the workers in these factories. Not all audits are created equal. Most companies won't even say on their so-called sustainability pages or social corporate responsibility pages what kind of audits they do exactly, how much are they paying for these audits, and what are they looking for exactly in these audits, and what have they found in these audits? Because there's a standard audit that might cost a couple hundred dollars to do, and it pretty much only checks for surface-level things like the cleanliness of the factory, the quality of the merchandise and equipment, yeah, and things like that. These cheaper audits are cannot really detect unauthorized or secret subcontracting to forced labor camps. And then you have really expensive audits that take that cost $5,000, that take five days to do, where the auditors cross-analyze wage documents across uh, many departments in the factory. And that, that has the potential to detect a secret subcontracting to forced labor. But how many companies are using those kinds of audits? And that information is not really made clear in a lot of companies' uh, supply chain uh, disclosures. So what Made in China is ultimately about is educating consumers how to make more informed purchases and how knowing what to look for in a company's sustainability page or their favorite brand. And if, if you don't think your favorite brand is revealing enough information in their sustainability pages, go on Twitter, go on Facebook and ask them to reveal this kind of information because these are the key factors that contribute to pushing a Chinese factory to outsource work to the labor camps. I'm speaking with journalist Amelia Peng, author of Made in China, A Prisoner, an SOS Letter, and The Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods, which just came out earlier this week. Amelia, how can consumers determine if their favorite brands are utilizing these forced work camps? The issue is so rampant, I would say. You need to ask for companies to prove that they're not using forced labor. Because unless they do that, you have to assume that there's a high chance there is forced labor in their supply chain. Have them prove to you by showing you exactly 
what they found in their audits, the full audit report, how much they're paying for audits, and how much time they're actually giving factories to make these products, and how much are they actually willing to pay these factories to make these products. These are the questions we should be asking our favorite brands. What small steps can consumers take to influence change? My book goes into that a lot more about the different kinds of questions to ask to how to judge whether the way a company audits their factory is good enough or not. And I don't think the issue is necessarily avoiding all made in China products because everything is made in China. And even products that are not made in China, the raw materials could be made in a labor camp in China. You don't really know there's no forced labor in that in that product unless uh, the company shows all the homework they did to ensure forced labor wasn't in that product. And right now, we're not seeing a whole lot of companies do that. But as consumers, we can, with a simple tweet or Facebook post, start viral posts and, and, and force our companies to start being more actually transparent. Any last thoughts for us? I would highly suggest that people look up the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act because it is ultimately, my book goes more into this, but it is ultimately trade that compelled China to increase the usage of forced labor, especially the the usage of Uyghur forced labor. And so it is trade that can compel the Chinese government to rethink its policies. And we as consumers are the trade. And how can we get your book? It's available everywhere where books are sold right now, um, including the e-books and the audiobooks. I've been speaking with journalist Amelia Pang, author of Made in China, A Prisoner, an SOS Letter, and The Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods. It came out earlier this week. Amelia, thank you so much for talking with us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Vicki. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.